Do you want to record a podcast? I would love to record a podcast. Let's record a podcast. Dear James, allow us to record a pod blast. (laughs) Dearest Tyler, (laughs) it has been long ago since we last met. Please, in enclosed, (laughs) please find enclosed an audio cassette, record your podcast, and send it back to me. (laughs) So I may hear your voice once again regarding Yu-Gi-Oh! That's going to be the hipster podcast of the future, isn't it? Two people mailing a cassette tape back and forth and then finally oh. releasing it with the original like cassette clicks and, and, and inconsistencies. There's, there'd be a... Uh, what's the word for that? It's, it's like not parallel. Perpendicular? No. Crossover? No. Asynchronous. Asynchronous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an asynchronous <laughs> podcast... <laughs> recorded on cassette tape sent through the mail it's that one fucking uh Ron every Mars, episode take yeah justin mcelroy <laughs> exactly except this one takes like a year to do because you have to keep mailing the tape back and forth to each other but you gotta preserve the sound man you gotta preserve the, t- the sound this podcast only sounds good on cassette it's the way it was meant to be listened to if you want your cassette of you activated my podcast, please <laughs> mail fourteen ninety five to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no. I used to listen to a lot of audiobooks on cassette. There is a certain charm oh, yeah. to that of like that was side A of all th- all creatures great and small by the author James Harriet, read by I don't know Robert Lipton or whatever. Uh, please turn to side B to continue listening. Like there is sort of a charm to that. Yeah, was, oh man, that was a good chapter. I wonder what happens next. Let me eject the tape, turn it over, and stick it back in. But could you imagine our podcast in that <laughs> medium? Man, this fucking Yu-Gi-Oh guy was... That ends side A of you activating my podcast. Please turn the tape over. <laughs> Let me turn the tape over. Like, yeah, fucking shit. Fuck. If we ever have, like, some, like a Patreon... Or something like that, or like a Kickstarter goal. That would mm-hmm. be like the end tiers that we will record our own special episode just for you onto Hell the cassette yeah. tape and mail it to you. Ooh, remind so you can me. listen to it in your 1995 Ford Focus or whatever. Remind me, and if I leave this in, this will be a, a little teaser for the listeners. Remind me after the recording uh, to tell you my idea related to that. I had a thought. Okay. I'll leave it at that. Because I don't want to talk about it while I'm recording. Because then I'll have to make it true. Um, <laughs> Every th- everyone knows that the things we say off off mic don't count. <laughs> right. Right. Lore.horse coming soon. Uh, yeah. Jimmy, I need you to tell me about a, a note here. Yes. In the pre-show notes, it just says eggs. Eggs. So recently... Um, so we have hens in the backyard that my roommate got. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and Nina, Pinta, Santa Maria. No. What are they called? Their names are Cluck and Bell. Uh-huh. Uh, damn. Now I'm blanking on the second one. Oh, no, name. I don't feel as bad. I remember Speedball, but Speedball was the one that was actually a rooster, right? S- Speedball was the one that was actually a rooster, and we had to swap him out for an actual woman. <laughs> <laughs> damn harsh (laughs) (laughs) sorry speedball he we sent him to live on a farm and that's not a euphemism he literally does live on a farm and is quite happy 
Okay, good, 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 good. Whew. Boy, maybe my hamster's on a farm actually too. So it's it's a uh, Cluck and Bell, Lana uh-huh. Del Lay, and Chris Hensworth. Lana Del Lay. <laughs> Our three ladies. Um, but recently at like six in the morning, I sleep with my windows open, and at six in the morning, I just hear this like awful screeching and squawking. Mm-hmm. And so usually when that happens, I go out to check the eggs in the morning. And usually when I hear a lot of pained clucking, uh, it's because I come back from the hen house with a giant two yolk egg. Uh-huh. <laughs> One of these poor girls has been squeezing out of their cloaca. I would now, be clucking too if I had to <laughs> no, wait, wait, okay. pass a giant, like twice the size of a normal egg, egg. So like, like, like egg twins is what you're saying. Yeah. One it's egg. It's not like, no, it's not like two eggs inside one egg. It's okay. one egg. It just has two yolks. But the egg is physically bigger as well. It's quite a good deal bigger. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I mean, yeah. If I if I was laying a, is it du- it's it's not doubled in size. It's like not quite double. No, it's like one point five. Still, fuck. That's pretty big, though. Yeah. If I was birthing, <laughs> if I was birthing a toddler every other day, yeah. <laughs> like, imagine like every day you birthing like a regular child, mm-hmm. a regular infant, and then you have to give birth to like a four year old. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, ev- Wednesday is toddler day. <laughs> Where? <laughs> oh, fuck. God. That sounds I mean that sounds horrible for them, but that sounds good for you cuz then that means that you have like a like a nice hearty breakfast sort of ready for you. Oh, it's a yeah, it's like a good big size. Um but they don't fit in our egg cartons really well. No, I would imagine so your big, egg big, cartons are probably made for normal eggs. Yes. Yeah. Well, that sounds fun for you. <laughs> well, I know you have your egg podcast, so I thought yeah, that was we'll something to, you would like. We'll have to like um I think we'll have to have you like send us pictures of these double eggs and or you just post them on Twitter and we'll retweet them on the on the okay. show Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh huh. I wonder if there's like a special recipe that you can make with a double egg. I mean, you could fry it and it would look fun with the yeah. two yolks, right? But I wonder if there's like a a recipe that needs specifically <laughs> these, a double yolk egg. Yeah, one of these massive horkin eggs. I don't even know what causes it. Apparently it's some kind of like hormone thing that regulates like when the eggs come out and sometimes it jumps the gun a little. And hmm. so there's like two like proto eggs that get stuck together. Is it like uh is is there like a, a hereditary aspect to it too? Is it like how there are some uh people that are more uh uh predisposed to having children who are twins? I don't think so cuz it seems to be like it's different hens sometimes. Oh, it's different hens. It's not always Lana Del Lay and her summertime sadness. It's not always Lana. Huh. It's usually her, though. I can kind of tell which eggs I didn't, see, are you, which, though. I I could could just guess with a name like Lana Del Lay. Yeah, of course <laughs> you're gonna be you're gonna be uh, knocking it out of the park. Well, one of them is completely obvious that it's from Cluck and Bell because she's a white hen and she lays white eggs. 
Uh, but the other two are black hens and they lay brown eggs. Except I... one always comes out a slightly different shade of brown. See, here's how much of a city slicker I am. I genuinely did not know that the color of the chicken would change the color of the egg. Yeah, it's genetics. Uh, what color egg the hen lays? Huh. The more you know. I mean, I didn't know this until like four months ago when they started laying <laughs> eggs. Well, all right. Can't... I have to say, though, uh, being in this house, I really just am in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. Having all this like food that's like appearing just every morning. That's true. That's true. You kind of have your own in-house grocery delivery system right right now. I mean, it's just yeah. eggs, but and you know, if if times get desperate, not only is it just eggs, it's so many eggs that we run out of space for them. We can't eat all these eggs, and so I'll trade them to my friends for like fresh bread and like sourdough starter and stuff. Damn, you're setting up like a little uh, little bartering we are, system. We are going to have a robust bartering economy. All right, I'm into that. What's the what's the weirdest thing you've traded eggs for? Uh, let's see. Weirdest thing I've traded eggs for. No Yu-Gi-Oh cards, or I would have heard of that. No Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Uh, a haircut. <laughs> what? Wait. <laughs> you sh- okay? What is the conversion rate for eggs to haircut? Everything is kind of made up as we go along. Uh huh. So it's like one carton of eggs, which is like a while dozen. My friend was here, like all masked up. Uh, oh, sure. In the backyard. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking of that aspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're what? They're like hazmat suited up. Yeah. I was like, I can't go to work uh, without wearing a hat anymore because my hair is going in front of my eyes. Mm, yeah. Because I I'm meant to get that. a haircut in like early March. I think we talked about this. You and I both had like this idea, like first week of March. Ah, maybe now is when I'll get a haircut, and then everything went to shit. Yeah, bad, bad planning. Well, actually, fine planning. It was external circumstances that drove the bad part. Yeah, yeah, not our fault. (laughs) It's not my fault. Well, uh, I'm glad that you had those eggs to trade for a haircut because I. I dread to think what else you would have traded. (laughs) I'm trying to think of what else we have. We have um, radishes that are growing. Oh, so you've got like a, you got like a whole little farm set up. Yeah. We've got like a little garden growing. Oh, okay. Well, you're fine then. You got plenty to trade. What am I worried about? (laughs) It'll be great. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Yu-Gi-Oh? I was about to ask. Yeah, let's do it. It's time to podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to You Activated My Podcast, the weekly Yu-Gi-Oh! Recap podcast show. I'm Tyler. I'm Jimmy. And this week, I just realized I said podcast show. Kind of redundant. <laughs> Welcome to my podcast show. This week, we're talking about season two, episode 46, The Tomb Keeper's Secret. Welcome to our 
audio extravaganza. You will be delighted and astounded. Hello. Step fellow... right up. Step right up. Only a tuppence. Hello, fellow kids. Might I interest you in a pod blast? Uh, Jimmy, this week, before we get started on the show, we have an email Ooh. Uh, from a listener who we've heard from before. Listener Brent right oh, back hey, Brent. in. Wow. What is with words can talk? Listener Brent writes back in. Brent says, hello again, Yampod crew. I'm back again with another question. During your last podcast, your talk on Yu-Gi-Oh themed stylus and what they would look like in the real world, that got me thinking. If we were a Yu-Gi-Oh centric world and having a custom deck was equivalent to fashion celebrities, uh, was equivalent to fashion, pardon me, celebrities would obviously have the most unique slash rare cards, right? This led me down a rabbit hole until I started thinking of what Yu-Gi-Oh cards based on celebrities would look or play like. So, with nothing but free time, I decided to create some of my own cards based around one of my favorite rappers, Travis Scott. Uh, and then, <laughs> then they list uh, three Travis Scott-themed cards, which are very oh. detailed. Uh, so, Travis Scott is like um, like sicko mode. I think would be like the most like mainstream song that I can think of. Um, but uh, here they are. So. Card number one uh, is La Flame, a level four fire monster. Uh, this card gains 300 attack and defense and one level for each face-up card on the field with Astro World in its title or card text. And Astro World is the Travis Scott album. Ah. Uh, the next card is Astro World. It's a field spell card. Uh, the effect is, as long as this card remains on the field, all Travis monsters are unable to be destroyed by battle, and at the end of each turn, both players must declare an attack or lose 500 life points. You can remove three auto-tune counters from this card to activate Beat Switch and swap either life points, cards in hand, or monsters on the field with your opponent. Wow. Yeah, which is a pretty good card. Like That, that would yeah. be pretty rad. Uh, another card is Straight Up. It's a trap card. All face-down cards, spells and traps included, on your opponent's side of the field are flipped face-up. If this card is activated when Astral World is on the feeder is on the field, it gains one auto-tune counter. The last card is Sicko Mode. It's an equip spell card. When activated, all face-up monsters on the field gain 500 attack. Attack targets from monsters uh, equipped with this card are now random. The attacking monsters can target themselves. Travis monsters equipped with this card are immune to that secondary effect, and each turn this card is on the field when Astro World is also on the field, it gains one auto-tune counter. Then Brent goes on to say, these are just the first card ideas that popped up on my board, craze, and definitely quarantine-affected head, so I was curious if any of you could think of any celebrity or musician ideas for cards, or, like Yu-Gi-Oh!, what a deck built around a certain celebrity's personality would look like. Anyways, thanks for taking the time to read this email from my sporadic and work-deprived brain, Brent. Brent, you're a real one, Brent. Thank you. Okay, uh, two things. Yeah. First, can you imagine how tedious it would be to live in the Yu-Gi-Oh! universe? Like, you couldn't <laughs> just be, like, a celebrity chef or something. No. You'd have to be a celebrity chef, and you would have to have training in, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! cards and have your own, like... Uh, like cooking themed deck. Yeah, you would have you to would cook then, like, with cards. Uh, yeah, dual you with can't cooking. just like specialize in one thing. You'd have to do that thing, 
and also have, have we like your whole duel set around it. I think the only time that that would work out is for my exact job. Because then I would have be I would have been good at customer support and I would duel customers. <laughs> that would arguably be a much better system though it would be, than what you have today. It would be uh I mean depending on how it goes, it, it might be uh, a little bit more satisfying, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, yeah, you'll get your refund if you beat me in a duel, <laughs> Karen. Uh you know, you know that might actually work out better for everybody. Second thing. I know you've already thought about this about uh, and have cards in your head for Guy Fieri. Oh, God. I actually wasn't even thinking of Guy Fieri. So I, I texted you about this earlier on in the week when I got this email uh, just so we could kind of like kind of prep. And for whatever reason, I mean, my first thought should have been Guy Fieri. Obviously. Like because we've done that on the show. But for some reason, my head went to maybe the opposite of Guy Fieri. For some reason, my head went to... Nega Guy Fieri from the Mirror Universe. <laughs> uh, uh, I I could not stop thinking about what Gwyneth Paltrow would be like <laughs> in the Yu-Gi-Oh! universe. Because it would still be goop, right? It would uh-huh. still be goop. But I kept picturing, like, uh, like you know how Strings had the slime token deck? Uh-huh. It would be that, but they're all, like, masquerading as like health benefits and it's just a bunch of cards to like give her life points and make her look fresh <laughs> but then if you like start to peel away the armor on the monsters they're all like grimy and not fully constructed <laughs> just awful things mm-hmm. and, and and like if you obviously. let the if you let the duel go on long enough it starts to backfire and like take life points away from you yeah yeah exactly it's like a ramp deck that you have to get done in time uh-huh so it'd well, be like, uh, oh no, go ahead. Oh, I was just thinking of uh, my uh, celebrity that I talked to you about was Arnold Schwarzenegger, who would mm. have like half like cavemen cards and half like future robot cards, yes. and then a handful of time travel cards. Yes, so exactly Joey Wheeler is what you're saying. <laughs> he would be exactly Joey Wheeler. Ah, <laughs> forget about it. <laughs> Yug, get to the chopper. <laughs> We need to get to the blimp. I am um, sorry. Speaking of it's that, time to do. I, I would love, cause we're coming up on the end of season three. I would love to spend like a month doing not. I a do care show. about you. My Valentine. <laughs> I would love to spend like a month doing episodes that aren't recapping the show and do like one whole episode of just trying to fan cast a live action remake. <laughs> Starring Arnold Schwarzenegger as Joey Wheeler. <laughs> Time wizard activates. <laughs> Thousand dragon, <laughs> give me your power. Noxious. What? What is it? Noxious blast. No- noxious nostril gust. Why do I remember Nox- that? Can Arnold Schwarzenegger say the word noxious? Have you seen videos of Arnold Schwarzenegger recently? No. He he's quarantined at home and he's like sitting in his oh, kitchen with guy. his like poor guy, that must be really difficult for him. Huh? I wonder how he's well, doing. He's sitting at around his like dinner table with his pet like donkeys that are just oh. live in his house. Oh. And apparently he's vegetarian? That part I knew, I think. 
And he is yeah. just hanging out and like chilling with his family and his like horses that he keeps in his house. Huh. Or whatever the heck it was. He has so, several of them. So Arnold Schwarzenegger would have uh, a deck that is uh, robots, time travel, guns, and horses. Exactly. Gun-toting, cybernetic, time-traveling horses. He has two miniature horses. Whiskey. He has No, no. My, my mistake. He has a miniature horse named Whiskey and a donkey named Lulu. All right. Go Arnold, then, I then guess. Then hang out in his kitchen with him. You know? Oh, this is adorable. Um, I, uh... Yeah, I was kind of wondering what he would do after being governor. He was in a couple of movies. They keep bringing him you back know. to play different Terminators. Right. I'm not quite sure how that's working out. I haven't watched the last couple. But, okay. Well, good for him. I'm I'm glad he's doing well. <laughs> in these, he looks like it. In these exceptional times. Uh, who else? Who else would be an interesting celebrity in the Yu-Gi-Oh! universe? The Yu-Gi-Oh! Besides universe. Besides Guy Fieri. Yeah, well, okay. So Guy, Guy Fieri would be... What would his his things be? It would be a lot of food related things, right? Like we have the burger yeah. cards, um, a lot of fire spells. I think definitely a lot of fire spells, but then also like teamwork cards. Yeah, like cards that would that would either like boost his monsters' defense, or if playing in like a two v two scenario, like help the other help his allies. You know. Because mm-hmm. he's that kind of guy. Uh, let's see. Who else? Uh, I really, I really like the idea of rappers getting really into Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh man, can you imagine the rap battles? Yeah, that would like result that's... from like a duel. Because that's the kind of the thing that we've talked about before on the show. Like duels really aren't all that much about the card game if we're getting down to it like at least in the show right it's all about how many friends you bring to the party yeah the style and the presentation too yeah so i mean could you imagine like i mean i'm sure most rappers are probably already into Yu-Gi-Oh, but like tyler the creator versus travis scott right and tyler the creator is bringing out like weird i mean not to just like ape his album names but like goblins and like (laughs) weird like interdimensional portals and shit versus travis scott's astro world and then you've got this like big light show going on in the background you know kanye Kanye west would just be exodias (laughs) it's all exodias that he's trying to win with i am a god i play myself in attack mode that's not a kanye impression i don't know what that is you know whose deck I would want to see? Hmm. Weird Al Yankovic and his Tune deck. Fuck yes! This <laughs> is a be... world in which Weird Al Yankovic takes over the music industry. He his uh, his deck would be like tuned versions of like big monsters and stuff because they're like parodies. That yeah, that would be amazing. Music and tunes. Dolly Parton's would be interesting as well, but kind of kind of for the opposite reason. It's a bunch of I'm like... I'm trying to picture Dolly Parton with a freaking dual disc on her arm. <laughs> okay. It's a magnificent sight to behold. Think about that for a second. <laughs> I'd be into it, is the thing. Dolly Parton, I think, 
uh everyone should go listen to the the short podcast series dolly parton's america it's beautiful um dolly parton i think would have cards that are like old classics right Mm -hmm. like they're they are cards that were previously removed from the standard game but they were brought back in a special edition they had the dust like blown off them specifically so that dolly parton could use them i like that a lot that'd be fun oh i love this this universe now (laughs) dolly parton duelist (laughs) i i mean i'm into it i think that'd be awesome that would be Uh, awesome (laughs) i don't know that anything else comes to mind so we better move on Uh, but thank you again listener brent we really appreciate it uh jimmy it's time to discuss the episode, which, as I mentioned, is season two, episode 46, The Tomb Keeper's Secret. The translated title is The Truth of the Ishtar Family Revealed. Dun, dun, dun. The summary here, the summary here kind of gives it all away. Ishizu gives Yugi her millennium necklace and recounts the story of the Ishtar family, finally revealing the past tragedy that gave birth to Merrick's evil side. After everyone goes to sleep, Merrick, who finally discovered the truth while lurking in Taya's mind, uses Taya to deliver the spirits of Yami Bakura and himself into Bakura's body and confronts his evil half. A lot of ghosts. A lot of ghosts up in this one. But we start very far away from ghosts. <laughs> I like my Yu-Gi-Oh! episodes like I like my uh, Christmas carols full of ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, boy, what day is it? <laughs> Today. Then, yep. And then. It's Christmas Day. Ah, it's, good. It, Bless it's the spirit. It's Battle City Day. There's still time to do 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 Sorry, that was a stretch. Um, we start very far away from ghosts, however. We start with the Kaiba brothers, who explicitly do not believe in ghosts. Ebenezer Scrooge, Yu-Gi-Oh! Duelist, with his primarily coal and go ghost-based deck Ooh. oh like no victorian steampunk it wouldn't be ghost-based it would be coal and money-based and then weevil underwood style somebody has snuck in three ghost cards that completely change the effects of all of his standard deck damn that'd be good (laughs) sorry i'm lost in thought just picturing this the listeners couldn't see that, but uh, Jimmy and I are on a video call, and he went to another place. <laughs> I'm just picturing freaking Ebenezer Scrooge putting, like, playing a card in his dual disc, and suddenly Marley's ghost rises in front of him in chains. Ebenezer Ooh. Scrooge would be played by Seto Kaiba, right? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Like an old Seto Kaiba. Yeah. Uh, so in the show... The show Meanwhile, that back about. to the actual show. Uh, Kaiba and Mokuba are in the computer room on the blimp, uh, and Mokuba is still working on translating the final pieces of text on the Winged Dragon of Ra. Because for people who are just joining us, uh, it has been the the card text that is usually on the card has been replaced with ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics that take apparently a lot of computing power to translate. Yeah, Mokuba uh, says that the network mainframe is having trouble with the last few words. And they've been working on this for, like, what, four episodes now? Easily, yeah. Uh, Kaiba is throwing a fit. It's 
my translation and I want it now. Uh, and he looks at the screen and he goes, wait a second. I can read that. <laughs> I, I'm mad and I want this translated. Now to take a big sip, sip of water and look at the card text for the first time in my life. <laughs> it really is. So, well, I mean, in his defense, right? So Mokuba took the picture. Uh, with the satellite from with orbit. satellite cameras, not gonna get over that anytime soon. And then took it back to the to the computer to study. Mm-hmm. At, I don't think at any point in that time did Kaiba look at the card itself. No, he right? hasn't. So this is legitimately the first time that he's looked at it. But yeah, the timing is a little suspect. Uh, he looks at it, and he goes. Why can I read this? Wait a minute. I can read. (laughs) Uh, I can read ancient Egyptian secret hieroglyphics. And it turns out fucking Percy Jackson style, Kaiba's dyslexia was actually his ability to read ancient hieroglyphs. (laughs) Sorry. That's my least favorite plot point of many in Percy Jackson. Uh, And, uh, he he has this like flashback moment where he is reading the hieroglyphs and remembering everything that Ishizu has ever said to him about being tied to ancient Egypt. Yeah, we get a flashback to the scene where uh, she was just showing Kaiba the stone at the museum where Kaiba is shown as a sorcerer battling the pharaoh with his blue eyes white dragon. How come, that... co- how come he wasn't able to read that? Right, exactly. Exactly. A, a, a number one, why couldn't you read that stone tablet? Uh, point number B, w- w- how does it being a blue eyes white dragon at all prove that it's him? I don't know. Uh, he, he comes out of this flashback and he says, someone's been toying with my mind. I'm not some ancient Egyptian. I'm the president of Kaiba Corp. <laughs> he gets super mad. Like, even now, being able to see these, like, ancient hieroglyphics, he's still fighting the idea that he has some, like, magical past. And it's not just him that he's special. Right. It's, it, I mean, but it can be two things. He can have an yeah. ancient magical past and be special. Yeah. But he doesn't believe in magic. And so he instead, he just kind of, like, collapses to the ground. In agony. Writhing in pain. Has Batman changed back, back into, into Bruce Wayne? Um, so that's a joke for two people. Uh, the f- We cut away back to the blimp, and it is announced that the final four duelists are Yugi, Joey, Kaiba, and Merrick. And the duels will resume tomorrow when they land somewhere. At the new dueling site. Because apparently four duels is enough for the blimp yep yugi and joey are all excited about this and they're like jeepers man we've been through a lot but i can't wait to duel some more and Taya is like you guys remember that bakura and odion are both unconscious and mai's mind has been sent to the shadow realm and then it just instantly kills the mood in the room <laughs> at some point in here joey is talking about like man i can't wait to get off this blimp i've been getting airsick i've used four barf bags <laughs> he hasn't yeah when he hasn't acted sick in any of the episodes we've seen has he used four barf bags in the last five minutes <sighs> And I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Maybe and then, he puked off screen. 
and and then immediately after Taya reminds them like oh hey by the way your friends are dying around you or your friends are being put into comas around you uh she goes you guys have some serious resting to do but again where and when uh i guess we'll find out oh there's that just a second i said serious serious resting and that just (laughs) that was just the trigger for you huh yep need to drink more cold brew yeah get that good bean juice in you the bean uh, juice. <laughs> so they go. I think this is what you were going to say. They go to check on Mai, right? Yeah. So what do they discover from from Mai and Serenity, who's been tending to Mai? Well, they go to see Mai, but like Ishizu is there at the door mm-hmm. and asks if she can come and see Mai with them. They're like, sure. Um, sure, Joey, we don't know you, but yeah. You can see our unconscious friend who is put into this coma with magic. Uh <laughs> Joey mopes over Mai a little bit and he like vows revenge. But then Serenity has a literal like one of those like super cheesy lines where she's like, can't you see? Anger and revenge will only make things worse. When I mm. took off my bandages off, this is not what I wanted to see. Oh, that line. That line killed me. She she's... was like, like her voice was trembling during this. It was actually very good. It's actually really actor. good. She she all but literally says, I would rather be blind than deal with this shit right now. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you brought me back just to look at all this horrible magic bullshit going on. And you know what, Serenity? That's on you for wanting to see your big brother duel. You should have <laughs> asked who he was dueling, dueling first. It's kind of on you. Oh, actual magic? Okay, that's a, that's a, going to be a no from me. Just uh, <laughs> keep my eyes like this for a bit. And, uh, yeah, she pulls the fucking, uh, the Yoda line, uh, the anger leads to hate or fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate Hate leads leads to the dark side. I mean, they've skipped fear. They're just on anger at this point. Yeah. Um, Uh, yeah. And then, uh, Shizu, uh. Oh, speaking of evil. Yeah. Uh, Merrick was good once. He was just like an innocent little kid. And then right. but everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. I mean, when he received the Tomb Keeper initiation. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. So she, she has this memory of like, oh, this was the tipping point when Merrick really became a Tomb Keeper was when he actually went evil. Yeah. This is why mental health is important. You should leave a job you hate. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. Because otherwise you will become possessed by an ancient spirit. That's how it works. People. Yep. <laughs> uh, uh yugi has this like weirdly dark moment where he goes what happens if there's no way to save your brother <laughs> yeah he's like it may be too late to save him you said it was my destiny to save the world from destruction by beating him sorry but i have to kick his ass in this card game <laughs> no saving around here did you also think that like if Bandit Keith were here, the problem would be taken care of by now. <laughs> Bandit Keith used gun. It's super effective. <laughs> right. Known concealed carry license holder. <laughs> Bandit Keith. <laughs> Literally named Bandit Keith. <laughs> he just shoots Merrick and is that's the end of the show. It's like that meme that's going around. It's like the huge book and then like this tiny, tiny book next to it. It's like the story of Yu-Gi-Oh <laughs> next to it. The story of Yu-Gi-Oh if Bandit Keith had a gun. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm I'm not saying that they fix problems because more often than not, they do not. But in this case, where it is a fictional universe occupied entirely by cartoons, it might have fixed a couple of problems. <laughs> 
Here, Yugi, take the Millennium Pistol. <laughs> oh God. Uh, okay, then it, it then, makes uh... more ghosts. <laughs> oh, no, no, Jimmy, <laughs> no. <laughs> Safety first, everybody. Guns are serious. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Do not give this... guns to this 14-year-old boy. We can't release this episode anymore. <laughs> we have to start over. All right. Shizu recaps the premise of the Tomb Keepers. Do you remember what the yeah. premise of the Tomb Keepers is? Do you remember their whole shtick? They keep the tomb. Ah, there it is, right in the name. Who would have thought? Uh, yeah, and then everyone is just like talking shit about Merrick and what a slimeball he is. And words of that nature. It's about as PG as it can get when you're talking about a guy who literally just trapped a woman's mind in another dimension for fun. So she will slowly forget everyone she ever knew. But she's like, yeah. dang that Merrick. He's he's a real jerk. Ah, oh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a real uh, doo-doo face. <laughs> he's a scamp. <laughs> and a rascal. <laughs> scamp and rascal sound positive these days. Oh, you scamp. I Little wish we rascal. had our biggest problems for scamps and rascals. I wish. One day. Uh, uh, the, yeah. No, to go which ahead. issues who kind of reacts, you must trust me about this. There's so much you don't know. You kid, you dumb kids don't know shit about our family. <laughs> trust me. You don't know me. My brother did just basically murder your friend uh, using magic. But trust me. <laughs> Have you read Stephen King's The Jaunt? He did just do that to your friend, but hold up, he's good. <laughs> somewhere deep in in there, somewhere in there. Yeah. So then we get a flashback to uh, Whittle Baby Mawick, uh Little and, baby. And teenage Ishizu and, and Odeon. And Living Merrick... in their spooky tomb. <laughs> right, living underground. Uh, in the one well in Egypt. In this underground city of ruins. And... That they have guarded for like 5,000 years. Yep. And Merrick is trying to convince Ishizu to show him the outside world. Which is apparently off-limit to Tomb Keepers. Yep. That's the thing about being a Tomb Keeper. You are forbidden from going outside, interacting with anyone uh, from the outside world. Uh, Merrick literally calls them the surface dwellers. <laughs> and he's like, please, I want to go out just for an hour and look at the surface dwellers. I want to go where the people are. <laughs> On, uh, walking around in those, uh, what do you call them? Merrick, you know what legs are called. <laughs> <laughs> he holds up the millennium rod. Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? <laughs> Wouldn't you say my collection's complete? No, I must get all <laughs> the Millennium items. Granted, this show would be better if somebody stole Merrick's voice. Yes. Uh, he he says at one point that he wants to live like a normal person for once. How does he know what normal people live like? Right. He's been living underground his whole life. The outside world is off limits. How does he know that he's the strange one? Yeah, how does he know that other people even exist? I mean, I guess so, they were told him. Yeah, somebody fucked up here and mentioned an outside world. Yeah. Anyway, apparently at some point, Ishizu promised young Merrick that she would sneak him out of the tomb at night to like look around and see the outside world. Yeah. 
And he's like, I want to go now. Odeon will cover it for me, please. Pretty please with cherry on top. I don't know what cherries are. <laughs> Show me what cherries are. <laughs> and Ishtar's like, okay, yeah. fine. Yep. Only on the condition that they return after one hour and never speak about it again. Yeah, so they 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 conspire to pull like a like a blast from the past sort of escape the bunker and return sort of sort of scenario. We both have the same note here about Odeon pulling a Ferris Bueller. He does. And- he does. So Odeon agrees to cover for Merrick, right? And the way he does this, genius thinking here, Odeon. He does the classic 90s movie thing of putting pillows underneath the comforter on the bed to make it look like someone's sleeping there. (laughs) And we get a shot of him looking at it being like, yeah, that's good enough. Yeah, that'll work. Cool. Okay. Done. And so Merrick and Ishtar uh, emerge from the tomb and we see they actually do have a door down there. It's yes. like a like a storm door leading to they, the the ruins. They, they can't just like rappel down the well anytime. Right? They're not just they're not just winching themselves up like a dumbwaiter. <laughs> Which is smart. Yeah. But it's like completely obvious that there's a huge door in the ground. So I don't know why people aren't just like stumbling across it like all the time. Magic. So they emerge from the tomb. Merrick reacts to the sunrise that he's seeing for the first time in his life. The the same way I do after a Portland winter. He just kind of stares at it and like stretches his arms out and cries a little. Do you think Merrick knows not to look at the sun for too long? (laughs) He does not because he stares directly at it. Yep. Yep. You know, I looked at the eclipse. (laughs) Does he No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, this is embarrassing. I I had the thing, and I not for long, not not like long enough to do it anything like real. Mm-hmm. But I had I had the thing, and then I looked at the eclipse for real, just to be like, oh, what is it? just like for a you know a split second. And since then, I have been paranoid that the like spot in the corner of my eye is like, <laughs> oh shit, that's from when I looked at the eclipse. Oh fuck! Spoiler it's not, alert: it's fine. It's it's still the sun, and it's still very bright. <laughs> it's still very bright. Don't look at the eclipse for too long. Uh, or at all, if you can help or at it, all. apparently, because then you'll be paranoid like me. Um, at this point, Ishizu says, one of my favorite lines of this episode, his exposure to the light caused the darkness in him to grow. Looking at the sun made him realize that there, he can be evil. That he is evil. Yep, there it is. The sun makes you evil. Stay home. Stay safe, everybody. So now we're getting to... What I think is one of my favorite, it's definitely my favorite sequence of this episode, and it could be one of my favorite sequences of the whole show, which is Merrick and Ishizu's grand day out. This is hilarious (laughs) to me. It's fun. It's, it's, I don't know. It's fine. I, I want to hear your positive opinions first, because I'll, I'll get into it. I don't like it because it's a great sequence. I like it because it explains everything about Merrick. It does, kind of in one fell swoop. It's its in whole... one fell swoop, yeah. So they come out of the ruins and they go to uh, a local like market that's filled with tents, like a bazaar, mm-hmm. and it's just full of people walking around, people like hawking their wares. Merrick is just cavorting with glee. He has never seen so many people before or anything that's like not 
like dirt. <laughs> and so he is absolutely amazed. Uh, he sees a magazine on the ground and he's like, oh, this isn't good. Books should never be like discarded. You should never throw away a book. And so he picks it up and dusts it off. He opens it. He sees a picture of a bunny and a dog. And he has quite possibly one of my favorite lines. Hey, this isn't like my scriptures at all. This is fun. <laughs> which is In which rel- Merrick and I are the same. <laughs> I was going to say, for our upbringing, this is relatable content. <laughs> <laughs> Comic books. This, hey, this book has pictures in it. This book has pictures in it. This isn't boring. Uh, and he turns the page and he sees a f- picture of a like a guy on a motorcycle and it blows his freaking mind. And it's like, what yeah, is this? Is what is this machine obsessed. that this guy is riding on? And then he looks up and he sees a TV for the first time in his life. And it blows his mind again because on the TV there's like a commercial or like a movie of a guy riding a motorcycle. So can you there's imagine the motorcycle obsession right there? There it is. Yeah. Can you imagine being introduced to print media, motor vehicles, and television in the span of like ten seconds? <laughs> as like a thirteen year old boy. Yeah. No wonder Merrick turned out the way he did. His entire aesthetic and worldview was just shaped in the last ten seconds by a shitty bootleg like eighties VHS tape at an Egyptian yeah. bazaar. Do you want to describe the thing that he sees on TV? <laughs> It's just like, I, I forget what exactly happens. You hear but, it. You hear yeah. it first. And it's a man saying, I'm sorry, baby, I can't stay. You see, I'm a loner on my hog. <laughs> yeah. And then the guy just like hops on his his sweet ride and just books it out of there. <laughs> and he just rides his motorcycle off into the sunset. Merrick is transfixed by this. And to the point where one person literally says, what's the matter, kid? you never seen a TV before? Yeah, the, the shop owner is like, you okay? And he shoots you, just like grabs him by the hand and is like, get out of there. And, he, and so she's like, I should, never should have taken you to this place. And the entire time he's like, what was inside that glowing box? Golly. She's like, it's a TV. Wow. I saw a man in the TV. He was riding a machine. What was that machine? He's like, it's a motorcycle. Wow, a motorcycle. I want to ride a motorcycle. And then he like has this like sudden inspiration. He sees his future. He realizes he will never get to ride a motorcycle because he is a tomb keeper. And tomb keepers are forbidden from Not interacting with Not a motorcycle the keeper. Yeah. <laughs> There's two <laughs> things in this world. Motorcycles, tombs. You're wear it on this side. It's tomb keepers. Sorry, kid. You got jets and sharks. You got motorcycles and tombs. Uh, so he uh, insists on bringing back the photo of the motorcycle. He pleads with Ishizu, please, can I just like rip out this page out of the book so I can keep this picture of a motorcycle? And she's like, well, if father finds it, he'll we'll be busted. And he's like, oh, please. She finally relents and let, he lets him keep the picture of the motorcycle. But suddenly, they run into Shadi. Like a memory in my head. <laughs> uh, you know, this yeah. guy that we haven't seen in, like, many episodes, who's just, like, there on the blimp, apparently. 
Yeah, still. Sh- Shoddy uh, is, is sort of our exposition character at this point. Yeah. Deus appears ex when... Shoddy. Right. <laughs> Only appears when something he's saying. Uh, Shoddy warns them that the Pharaoh will arrive soon uh, and that the future will bring, quote, nothing but tragedy if they neglect their duties. So stop fucking up. Stop messing around and looking at motorcycles, kids. Uh, motorcycles are this... temporary, but the Pharaoh is forever. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, Ishizu, upon hearing this, briefly reprises her role as a guard in Skyrim and says, never should have come here. <laughs> never should have come here. It's another joke for three people. Uh, and uh, they head back to the tomb, I guess. The home the home base. Yeah. Shadi just kind of vanishes into the crowd. Ishizu really regrets having ever let Merrick out. Because it's like that comic that's like, it is too late, mother. I have seen everything. <laughs> <laughs> From extra fabulous comics. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, yeah. Well, and they have like, like kind of a, well, Merrick has kind of a sweet moment right before they go back in. Where he finds a short stone wall, like a broken wall, that is roughly the size and shape of a motorcycle. <laughs> And he, and he like jumps on this piece of ruined wall and and pretends it's a motorcycle riding off into the sunset and he like feels the wind in his hair and imagines a himself breeze, as like a... comes up and like knocks his hair around and he he, he and fancies like, himself the rebel yeah and then he's like boy golly when i grow up i want to ride a motorcycle and ride away from this place and never have to deal with any stupid pharaoh I don't want to go to work. I just want to ride my motorcycle all day. That almost works. Um, yeah. So yeah, he does not want to go back into his like dank, ruined cave. That's no, everything fair. his entire life has seen. Honestly, fair. Same. Hard. Same. Yeah. Uh, as they head back in, Merrick notices uh, a new addition to the entrance to the home. Uh, an alarm of some kind? I couldn't really... F- they figured it's an alarm, but what kind of an alarm is it? Because it looks like a can on a rope. Uh, yeah, it looks like uh, at some point... Ishizu never noticed this on their way out because it was dark, but it's like a rope attached to the door. And so when you open the door, it presumably like rings a bell somewhere else. Gotcha. So they probably tripped the alarm on the way out then is the implication. Yeah. Okay. So so they rush downstairs. They rush back to Merrick's bedroom. They see that the bed has been strewn asunder. The cushion uh, the ruse did not hold up. <laughs> Odeon's clever pillow ruse has been just tossed across the room. Sorry, Which, Odeon. T- to Merrick must be really weird because he, he comes into this and is like, wait a second, why the fuck are my pillows everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> Who put these pillows here? What a weird thing. Uh... Merrick runs uh, down the hallway and finds uh, Odeon uh, lying on the floor. And Ishizu, as part of the voiceover here, says, But my father had already weakened him with the Millennium Rod. Which... Yeah. They're, and just like a... Father... Like, like a content warning here. Like, this is... This is not okay behavior. This is uh, abusive behavior. 
Uh, skip ahead like 30 seconds. It's heavily that... implied that... Go ahead. It's heavily implied that Mr. Ishtar fucking physically beat Odeon with the Millennium Rod. Oh, is that what you got out of it? Yeah, because he has Oh, bruises. I thought he used... I thought he used it to, like, magically drain his energy or something. Okay, that's a much kinder read, kind of. I guess. It's still not good. No. Anyway, turns out Mr. Ishtar sucks. As if we didn't already well, know. he is literally an underground cult leader. Yeah, fair. Except that, Fair, we, we should have seen that coming. Yeah, but this is like the one time leading a cult turns out badly because the cult was actually right the whole time. This particular cult, yeah. In yes. this particular cult, yeah. <laughs> this is this is the not Pharaoh the one time that re- any cult turns out badly. This is the no. one time this cult turned out badly. <laughs> the Pharaoh is about to return, and they shouldn't have messed up. You uh, know, because he does come back. Sorry, kids. Uh, and, and upon seeing uh, uh, Odeon uh, as as uh, being hurt. Uh, Merrick's dark side appears and we get that like face coming out of the face effect again. Mr. Ishtar uh, says that he's like Odeon has failed them like his one duty and so as punishment he is like banishing Odeon outside forever for letting Merrick uh, leave the tomb. And so this is enough to get Merrick to break down and this is the point that worse Merrick emerges. Right. His hair gets all spiky. Uh, his voice he... drops. Yeah, what does he say? He's like, uh, he talks to his dad for like a split second in the deep voice. You don't scare me anymore, old man. These items are mine. Right. right. And then he walks over and he just like yoinks the millennium rod. Yeah, he just picks it up. It's just sitting there. And the dad is like, uh, you'll get those when... You'll inherit those when the time is right, when you're a tomb keeper. Put that back. He's like, what are you going to do about it? And, like, uses a millennium rod to, like, yeet dad across the room. Yeah, a new power that it's revealed. Uh, He has telekinesis now, I guess. (laughs) Uh, Specifically for throwing people against walls. (laughs) Specifically for, like, using, like, immersing people in this, like, energy web. And just kind of chucking them around. It's a weird effect. I don't know that I like it. It's a. It's not the best animation. It's like a. It's like weird and glowy. It's yeah. It's like a. It's like a neon cheesecloth. (laughs) Yeah. So, Mister Ishtar is stuck in this neon cheesecloth, and then he does the same to Ishizu. Uh, She, Mm -hmm. of course, realizes instantly that this is not Merrick. Right. This is this is something evil inside of him that is that has emerged. Has just woken up. Uh and so while she is trapped to the wall, he sends Mr. Ishtar to the Shadow Realm. Yup. Uh just an off camera sort of scene of him being like, Alright, Dad, now it's time to take care of you. How's the Shadow Realm sound? Good? Cool. Here you go. Bye. And we don't and even he, get to see it. It's like a shot, like looking up the well. And then he yells. He yells in his new creepy deep voice, "The future is mine," which is Wah-ha-ha. pretty cool, actually. Yeah, he's about to do the same to Odeon, 
Uh, but Odeon pleads with him, please, Master Merrick. Uh, which is enough to shock Merrick back into being Merrick again. Yeah, the real Merrick uh, stands up and, uh, you know, sort of apologizes to Odeon for everything that, that's happened. Uh, and Shadi appears again. Just pop it yeah, up all Shoddy over the place. Yeah, Shadi, like, Shadi, like, projects through the wall. Yeah, I'm not really it's sure not what the a, limits of that. It's not even, like, that. there. The Millennium Key must, I mean, must, in air quotes, must have a limited set of powers because that's, like, how the Millennium items work. But it's really unclear what the limit on what it can do is. The Millennium Key's true power is moving the plot along. There it is. There you go. It's the key to progression. Ah, there we go. There it is. Yeah, so uh, Shoddy teleports in, mm-hmm. uh, warns him that he has taken the first step down the road to ultimate darkness. The Pharaoh will return soon, so quit fucking it up. <laughs> Jesus is coming. Look busy. <laughs> exactly. Pharaoh is coming. <laughs> Look busy. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna get that as a tattoo. Maybe uh, that's maybe that's what Merrick's tattoo says. Inspect <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, and so, so, uh, on hearing this, we sort of fade out of the flashback storytelling thing, and Yugi sort of processes this information and figures that Merrick's anger and jealousy is what sort of fed the evil inside of him. Meanwhile, Joey's just like, lady, I'm supposed to feel bad for that spoiled rat because he grew into an evil nutcase. He yeah, trapped he kinda, his mind in the shadow realm, and now he's living out our worst nightmares. It it definitely it, he's saying what we're all thinking, right? Like, yeah, okay, we get it. You feel bad for him. He's not the victim here, though. <laughs> yeah, you, everyone was an isn't is, literally everyone has once been an innocent child, but this guy's literally trapped our friend in the shadow realm. Fuck that guy. Yeah, there comes a point where you just have to. You have to call it what it is, you know? <laughs> He's evil. I don't care what he used to be a nice little precocious child. If it Who if got it, turned to evil by looking at motorcycles. If it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, and it sends people to the shadow realm like a duck, it might be an evil asshole. <laughs> um So Ishizu says that Yugi has the power to destroy the evil in Merrick while leaving the good. Because as the vessel of the pharaoh, he can change destiny itself uh, by sheer force of will, apparently. And magic. Lots of magic. Right. I mean, we haven't seen Yugi change destiny with sheer force of will. We actually saw Kaiba do that. But, you know. Six of one, half dozen of the other. You know. Suddenly there's an announcement over the blimp PA system. Attention, <laughs> duelists and guests. Lights out in two minutes. Because I guess this blimp is summer camp and Kaiba's the chaperone. Yeah, what the fuck? This is weird. He's just going to turn off the lights on all the blimp. Just let people room. sleep when they want to sleep. It's fine. <laughs> you can't. We can't trust those people to turn their lights off. <laughs> it's actually a safety issue. We don't allow light switches on the blimp. <laughs> What if there's turbulence and you fall into the light switch and poke your eye out? <laughs> um, Gotta make these safety considerations when you're putting together a dueling blimp. 
the dueling blimp. Can't have any a- accidents fine. at dueling altitude. <laughs> You're getting hit by lightning is fine. Light switches, that's no good. You might get shocked. No good. <laughs> <laughs> On our completely metal, like, glowing, like, chrome blimp. On here on this on this vessel Hindenburg two, everything's safe. <laughs> uh, Tristan is pumped to crash in Joey's suite because it's so big and roomy, and Joey shuts him down immediately. It's like, no, get out of my room. I mean, to be fair, it is, there. it's ginormous. We saw it. It's yeah. a huge room. Yeah, I mean nothing. I would be pumped to have my friends over for a sleepover before my big day dueling. But I mean, that's Joey's just like, because you no. haven't seen another human being in however many weeks. That's true. That's because I am starved of human contact. <laughs> but in general, Unlike no, it would, Joey. Be, it would be it would be fun to have a sleepover yeah. ahead of a tournament, right? Like that's that's an enjoyable thing. Yeah, blimp sleepover. Make it happen. A blimp over. <laughs> so Ishizu is just kind of looking on at, at all this and she is unmoved by these wacky hijinks uh, and says anyway back to the plot I have something for you Yugi <laughs> a powerful she says it's a powerful object she no longer has any use for to which Yugi says thanks what is it proving that he is the <laughs> dumbest character on the show even more than Joey <laughs> it's a you millennium know... necklace dumbass yeah, I feel like he should have been able to see this coming, but also, I I think it's just because Big Yugi wasn't giving him any hints. Yeah, this is all just little Yugi failing to put the pieces together for once in his life. This is little Yugi being like a young child. Yeah, and just being just just dumb as shit. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, then yeah. she hands him this immensely powerful magic item. That lets him see the future, because it apparently no longer shows Ishizu the future, uh, after getting the future changed by Kaiba. Yeah, how I does that work exactly? The Millennium Necklace is very protective of its future, and it's like, oh, you didn't bring my future into fruition? Fine, I'm not going to play with you anymore. Huh. But is it apparently like, maybe Yugi will be able to use it. Is it maybe like a Spider-Man 3 situation where he loses his confidence in himself and can't use his spider powers for a while? It's entirely possible that Ishizu no longer trusts her future powers. But she, like she just... says that she doesn't need her powers anymore because she learned an important lesson about the future or whatever. Oh, right. The The important lesson she learned about the future was that it can be changed, completely <laughs> negating the <laughs> the ability to see into the future. So here's completely this fucking useless necklace now, Yugi. <laughs> you can completely change destiny, uh, making destiny useless. Anyway, so anyway, here's, here's this thing- nice rock. <laughs> right. Here's some jewel. Here's some more jewelry for you, little boy. I know you right. got you already got one necklace. Here's the second necklace. To oh, go I didn't with even think belts. of it that way. Yeah. This boy's like a yeah, he's, he's becoming like a like a tea pain. <laughs> he's got so many gold chains. Um 
So uh, yeah, everyone so, so the goes boys, to bed. Yeah, the boys go off on their own, doing their own thing. Uh, but Taya follows after Ishizu and asks Ishizu if that that if Yugi defeats the Dark Force inside Merrick, will that save the world from danger? Or is there another evil out there? Like, is there a bigger fish? Yeah. Is there, is this like just the season two of a show that goes for like many more seasons? Right. To which Ishizu says, I don't know. I can't see the future anymore. Well, good night. (laughs) (laughs) LOL IDK. KK bye. (laughs) Okay, bye. And she bounces. At which point, Someone else enters the scene from inside the Taya. <laughs> Who could it be? It's that fragment of Merrick that he stuck into that girl. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember when Merrick first revealed himself on the blimp? And he no, not even revealed himself when he was still Namu. And he said, yeah. "Oh yeah, and I'm just gonna borrow this chick's body from time to time." NBD. Yeah, I'm gonna give Taya the Millennium Ring, which can apparently just like turn invisible, but she's like got it the whole time. I'll just hang out in here, uh, and then just take control of Taya sometimes. Yep. No, wait, didn't didn't Bakura do that? Or there were a lot of people doing it, which we'll get to in a second. Yeah, how did how did Taya get the Millennium Ring? Did she just find it? And then the spirit of Bakura was like, eh, but maybe don't tell anybody. Yeah, because it got like knocked to off to the side of the blimp after Bakura yeah. was defeated, and Taya picked it up. So Taya picked it up. Bad Kura's spirit, the spirit of the Millennium Ring, was like, ah, actually, maybe shut up about this for a while, and we'll just keep it between you and me. The Millennium Ring went invisible. The spirit went dormant. Merrick got on the blimp, was like, actually, I'm going to borrow this if that's okay. (laughs) And now Merrick appears from within Taya and says, oh, you have the Millennium Ring on you. Why don't you take the Millennium Ring to Bakura's body? Which is still unconscious. Still unconscious. And use the Millennium Ring to transfer this fragment of my not fully evil, but still fairly evil spirit into Bakura's frail body. Am I getting that yeah. right? This is this is an evil Merrick, though. This is worse Merrick. A fragment is of this... worse Merrick spirit. Is it? I think so. Because that makes the next scene not make any sense to me. It's pretty. Hmm. Because this okay, is very so complicated. Let, let's, let's talk let's, about what happens. Yeah. Let's do the whole scene and then we can figure out. We can go back. <laughs> so, okay. So we get a meaningless cutaway of of Yugi can't sleep because Big Yugi keeps fucking waking him up, going like, "Oh, I wonder what ice cream smells like," <laughs> and like I don't know, like just fucking sleep, Pharaoh. I get it. You're a spirit and you don't, but like let the kid rest. <sighs> Then Merrick appears, Merrick, physical Merrick, uh, Merrick's bot, Merrick's corporeal form, (sighs) meet space Merrick, appears over Odeon's bed. Yeah, the Merrick currently inhabited by Yami Merrick. 
There we go. Yes, yes, yes. Yami Merrick appears over Odeon's bed. Worse and says, says, all right, now it's time to like actually follow through on what I said I'd do all those years ago, whatever, whatever. Uh, I'm gonna send you to the Shadow Realm. Bye, Odeon. It's been, it's been chill, but our time here is up. But who should stop him but Yami Bakura? Bakura steps out of the shadows. Yes. He just appears like half in shadow in an ominous way because, you know, you you gotta, if you're an evil spirit, you gotta do things with style. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and in his defense, Yami Bakura has style. Yeah. (laughs) So he steps out of the shadows. Merrick is like the spirit of the millennium ring. And he says, you're half right, but I've got company with me this time. And appearing beside Yami Bakura in spirit <laughs> is the spirit of Merrick. Right. Is is Merrick again? This so is now like, you have this is the original Merrick. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is OG Merrick. This is yeah. this is bad Merrick, but not worse Merrick. Mm-hmm. This is <laughs> who we last saw getting yeeted out of his own body in that like weird crystal like two episodes yes. ago yes he was psychically banished from his own body body yes yeah. his own brain which is separate from his spirit uh and so and he says i want my body back and i brought an old friend along to help me get it so now these are the people currently inhabiting bakura uh-huh. regular bakura Bad Kura. Regular Merrick. A fragment of Merrick? I mean, it depends on what the nature of the evil spirit of Merrick is, right? Like, yeah. Is Yami Merrick a fully separate thing or is it a part of. Is, is there a sort of fluidity between bad Merrick and worse Merrick? Well, we're up to like. That's like four boys in one boy. Yeah, we're at at least a three-to-one boy ratio, which is too <laughs> That's many. too many boys in this boy. I don't like it. I don't it like a, it at all. It, Bakura's mind is a clown car. <laughs> <laughs> they just keep coming out. I don't know. <laughs> you open it up, and it's just like an endless torrent of ghosts. <laughs> Can you imagine And, like, the spirits scene? and, like, disembodied other, like, regular mortals. Can can you imagine the scene where they finally hire an exorcist to help Bakura and he like vomits up the various spirits that he's engulfed over the years? And it's like, okay, Yami Bakura, okay, check, cool. Uh Merrick, all right, he's out of there, check. Uh ooh, a little bit of Yami Merrick, all right, cool, check, he's out. Uh who's oh, who's this one? Oh, that's uh pardon me, let me let me do the uh, the British accent. Oh, that's Terry. Yes, I um I had a duel with him last summer. <laughs> Who's this? It's me, Bones. I've been stuck in this guy. <laughs> I'm in here too. That yeah, I mean, you know, justice for Bones. Uh there's so many boys in this boy. There's too many. I don't I, it makes me really uncomfortable to think about it. Uh, uh but the they're bo- all the boys have the bo- united. The boys, the Bakura collective. Uh, we'll right. assimilate. 
Resistance is futile against the Bakura Collective. Uh, specifically uh, because originally, if you remember back at the beginning of this season, bad Merrick, but not worse Merrick, bargained with Yami Bakura to trade him the Millennium Rod if Yami Bakura got him the Egyptian God Cards. Yep. So, they're going back to that old arrangement, and that's what they bring up here. So that's why Yami Bakura is helping bad Merrick defeat worse Merrick. Worse so Merrick many is backstabbings. Like, worse Merrick is like, well, what are you gonna do about it, punk? You gonna fight me? What's like, what's he's kind of you know going for uh, going for a little fisticuffs? Yeah, he's like, who the fuck are you? Get the, get the hell out of here! And he tries to use the Millennium Rod to overpower all the Bakuras, um, and it's like the same thing that he used on Father Ishtar, who had many sons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and well, no, many famously he only had Father one son. Ishtar. That was the problem. <laughs> Yeah, um, he has the same like energy web to like stick him to the wall. Yeah, he um, turns the wall into a magnet, uh, and it looks like it works. But he also cannot move; he is trapped in place. Uh, and it apparently uh, the Millennium items that they each have are mm-hmm. of equal strength. Cool. So he, one of them cannot defeat the other with just Millennium items alone. What's to be done? How can we solve this? How can we resolve this dilemma? Oh, boy, if only there were a universally accepted way of settling disagreements in this world. Especially magical disagreements. Especially about... magical disagreements. <laughs> How about a duel? <gasps> Brilliant. Dun, dun, dun. Brilliant. So, uh, Yami Merrick, ba- Bakura, Bad Kura, and regular Merrick all head up to, <laughs> to no, both of no, them. No, no, no. Sorry, you left someone out. You left someone out. Yami Merrick goes up to the dueling arena to face off mm. against Yami Bakura, regular Bakura, bad Merrick, and a fragment of Yami Merrick. <laughs> <laughs> Where even is regular Bakura? I think he's just unconscious during all this. How is his Either spirit that or he's getting, unconscious? Like, drowned out with. I think Everyone he's just given up. Is just like grabbing at the controls for his brain. Yeah, he's he's, he's just trying like, to drive, but everyone else just keeps grabbing at the the wheel. You know, Bakura and I, you I think what? fuck we- this. I'm literally just a little a young British boy. I don't <laughs> I don't want to deal with all this. This is some magical Bakura- bullshit. I'll let these guys fight. Bakura and I, I think, would handle oh, possession good, good in cheerio. similar ways. This like, is quite dreadful. Know- <laughs> you know what? It's fine. I wasn't using that body much anyway. You take it. <laughs> fine. I'm quite cross. Uh, uh, so yeah, and, they all head up to yeah. the top of the blimp. It's time for a shadow game. For it. Here we go. Yep. Winner gets the, the rod. Winner gets the millennium rod. Yep. Loser. Can you guess what happens to the loser? What happens to the loser, Jimmy? They get sent to the Shadow Realm, if you can believe that. What? I've never heard of such a thing. To be continued, and all of these evil dipshits cackle evilly at each other, all at once. It's a bad sound. That's the end of the episode. I don't like that sound. They're just like trying to one-eat each other with their like evil laughs. It's like a flock of crows. It's horrible. 
Uh, Jimmy, Mwah, what was your <laughs> what was your favorite part of this episode? Now we're getting into the like absolutely ridiculous things you can do with spirits. Like, there's so many like spirits like swapping bodies and like jumping back and forth between items, projecting through walls. How many boys is Bakura gonna end up with? <laughs> twelve, twelve boys, twelve angry <laughs> like, spirits. At some point he's- I'm fully expecting Bakura to get, to, like, they're, I'm fully expecting a body swap scenario, but with each other's evil res- spirits, respectively. So Bakura would get worse oh. Merrick, and then Merrick would get uh, Yami Bakura. And then we get a shot of bad Merrick and regular Bakura just in the spirit realm or whatever, just being like, well... <laughs> Yeah, they're okay, just like we'll ethereally, like floating, floating behind them, like stands, and they're just like, "Hey, <laughs> long day, huh?" Yeah, I feel that, bro. First time. <laughs> <laughs> what was your best? My best. It was kind of similar. It was kind of just the the weird tangled web of like a Bakura slash Merrick's plural. Uh, like the spirits going from character to character and fucking things up. Like, okay, so like, I, I mean, we even had trouble with it in this episode. Like, okay, Merrick was kind of in Taya's body, but Bakura was already in Taya's body, but it was just bad Kura, not actual Bakura. Actual Bakura was in the bed. So then when Taya used the Millennium Ring, did bad Kura go first and then bring Merrick over? And like, is there a little bit of bad Merrick in, or like worse Merrick in there? What what else happening here? If Yugi were to interact with any of these people, like would Yugi have a risk of taking on an evil spirit? Like, yeah. Like what what happened, Tyler? Yugi? Here's a question: What, happen- what happens yeah. when all these Bakuras like then take the Millennium Puzzle and put it on? That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, yeah. So, like, what happens when, okay, he fulfills his duty as a pharaoh or whatever and, like, defeats evil. What if he wins the Millennium Ring in a duel and puts it on and there's still a fucking evil spirit in it? Or, worse, multiple evil spirits in it? (laughs) This is like that game of you put a ball under a cup and, like, move them all around, except with spirits and bodies. Keep your eye on the pharaoh. This is... (laughs) <laughs> where's the pharaoh <laughs> yeah this is this is a ridiculous episode that's even getting more ridiculous it it is and this is your favorite kind of episode too like this is an episode with zero dueling yeah. there's no dueling it's all magic bullshit and like story beats and like backstory and flashbacks it's Which good. Is good i mean when the show when the show wants yeah. to go for it it can do it pretty well it can. We've had a lot of dual heavy episodes recently and not a lot of story. So it's good to have the reverse once in a while. Yeah. Uh, how about your worst part of this episode? My worst part of this episode, we've been anticipating uh, the winged dragon of Ra being translated for like four, five episodes now. <laughs> yeah. And finally, Kaima just looks at it and he knows what it, what it says. So now do we, the audience, get to know what it says? No, we don't. Well, That's screw me, I guess. Not. I want to know what's on the card. But I guess we'll just have to wait and find out what it what's on there. Because Kaiba's not going to tell us. No. 
No, it's 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 for yeah. Kaiba to know and us to find out. Yeah, they're just like teasing this along. It's like, no, we've been we've waited long enough. Show us what's on that goddamn card. It's gonna be some stupid Deus Ex Machina thing. That's my guess. He's gonna invoke yeah. in the next few episodes. Yeah, I I think so. I, you know, it it's kind of leading up to one of those things where it's like, because we're almost at the end of the season. We're like what two episodes away? No, are we? We're fuck, Jimmy. This is the second to last episode of the season. Wait, it is. I I'm pulling up Netflix. Hold on, hold on. Wait a second. Wait a second. Where is this plot going? Where is this plot, Jimmy? Where is this plot going? There's a lot of stuff going on. Where is it going? Uh. Netflix isn't loading. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Jesus. Okay, hang on. Pull up bookmarks. Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Monsters Season 2. Yes, I have it bookmarked. It's the Wikipedia page. Uh, Scrolling all the way down. Oh. No, we have a two-parter no, left. No, it is not. Yeah. Wow. Okay. We have a two-parter. All right. But maybe we'll have to talk about this towards the end of the episode. We might do both parts in one episode. Do you want to do that? I feel like it might be a little story heavy. It might be. If I was running a show and I had a two-part last episode, it might need to be two parts for a reason. That is true. Because stuff would go down. Okay, but let's say right now we're going to do those as, as two separate episodes. Before, anyway... There are two more episodes okay. left in this season. And wow, we got I, here real fast. Yeah. And I feel like if anything it it is absolutely leading up to this text does bullshit. I it would have to, right? I would hope. And it's and I it's not going to make sense to us. After all this like after all this planting, we need a payoff. Please. God, please give us that. <laughs> right. Like, I don't know. It's got to be something. It's got to be something. What was your worst? Coming back to this episode. Sorry. Coming back to this episode. My worst. Uh, I, I'm going to describe my worst by quoting The Office. It's not my fault. I was exposed to Harry Potter. <laughs> You're talking about Merrick here, clearly. Uh, yes. Oh, yes. Sorry. Yes. I thought I was like, no, there's no Merrick in the office. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, I really disliked the entire plot line that heavily implies that television turned Merrick evil. <laughs> yeah. Who? Or like. Who would win in a fight? 5,000 years of history and, like, actual magic being used? Or a motorcycle commercial? One shitty VHS tape is enough to undo all of this for 10 seconds. Yeah, right? Like, how how bad is your cult? (laughs) That That you can can have actual magic. Actual magic that you can see and use. 
Well, and 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 like, how bad is your is your uh, your secrecy clause if the outside world is forbidden, but this dumbass kid still knows that he's the weird one for living underground? Yeah, you would think that you'd have better, you know, firewalls. Keep that outside think. information outside. They literally have firewalls. Yeah, it's a it's a fire, cult that lives walls. in a tomb underground. And you're right. saying that one kid can look at one motorcycle and undo all of that after 5,000 years of uh, passing this father to son. And not only undo all of that, but somehow grow an evil man inside him. Yeah, like, where did this, where did bad merit come from? Where did this, you, what you done happened goofed. here? You done Who goofed. did this to you? Come on, get and your I shit together, cultists. Yeah, I, just, I hate this storyline that's like, uh, yeah, actually TV is bad and you shouldn't let kids watch it because this is what happens. Joke's on you, this that's is a TV show. Up. Or is it a good message about the use of outside information to uh, undo cult programming? Oh, I like that. I like that. You that's a better that? spin on it. Yeah, maybe ex- a little, expose a little your bit of outside information. Yeah, expose your children to outside information so they have they're better equipped to deal with uh, unfamiliar situations. There you go. Well, thank you, Jimmy. Okay, so you've turned that around. I still don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, right. it's very dumb. It's very dumb. Uh, let's put this on the graph real quick. Uh, our XY chart of plot relevance and card mechanics. Card mechanics, I'm going to say is a zero because nothing happens. Card mechanics is like null because there is no card mechanics. Yep. Uh, null plot variable, relevance, it's not a zero. Plot relevance is like a five. Yeah. A lot of stuff happened. Yeah. Absolutely. I would definitely recommend that. I would definitely recommend that anyone interested in the plot of Yu-Gi-Oh watch this episode. Yeah. Because otherwise, the next two episodes probably not going to make any sense whatsoever. No, none would be all. my guess. All right, so we got a we got a top middle. Yeah, there we go. Cool. Well, I have finally texted her at the appropriate time. <laughs> I we, just sat down. Hey, we are joined once Hello. again by my partner Lauren, who has joined us for the next part of the episode. It's me. It's you. Are you ready? You didn't say the the intro. No, I was asking. Are you? Are you? Oh, yeah. It's time for Yu-Gi-Oh! Or not Yu-Gi-Oh! Or not the part of the show where we give Lauren a list of things that are either Yu-Gi-Oh! Cards or things that simply sound like Yu-Gi-Oh! Cards, and it is up to her to determine which is which. I've redeemed myself. Dun, da, da, da. I'm back, BBs. You You're back. Uh, but let's I'm see back. if I can trip you back up. Back on week. top. <laughs> oh, it's Jimmy tricking me this it's time. It's Jimmy's turn at the wheel. He is. Prepared. I have prepared a list that even I have double done a double take at in the last oh, couple seconds no. looking at it. <laughs> I because genuinely because this is your area of expertise. I I genuinely don't. This know. This is your specialist subject. Oh God, yes. Jimmy! Jimmy is <laughs> Jimmy has unzipped his sweater, revealing 
uh, tell tell us what the theme this is this week. Uh, the theme this week in Yu-Gi-Oh or not is Yu-Gi-Oh card or thing from Bionicle. <laughs> Lego Bionicle, the famous line of toys from two thousand one to late two thousands. Isn't it still uh, going? No, it ended no. a couple years ago. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Sorry for your loss. Thank you. <laughs> We're back to a neutral ground in Yu-Gi-Oh or not because I had a lot of Lego as a kid, but no Bionicle. Oh, there we go. So, so you, I'm glad you won't recognize any of these. I wondered, but I figured you. No, I I know nothing about Bionicle. I know an equivalent amount about Bionicle and Yu-Gi-Oh. So, then you know. (laughs) It seems like you know an awful (laughs) lot about Bionicle. Then. Yes, exactly. That's how because I would describe it. That'd be like if we had been doing a Bionicle podcast for the last however many years. Well, <laughs> famously, I don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Nor should That's you. True. You're on it. You don't need to listen to this. Well, I'm only on it for like a third, a quarter of it. So it still counts. It still yeah, counts. But I don't hear the rest of what you say. You could listen. <laughs> I hear it's a good show. It is a good show. Maybe not this week. I don't know. We went places this week. Mm. Uh, I did hear, I will say, Tyler, I want to congratulate you because I did hear from downstairs, you quote The Office and that made me really happy Oh, and proud. good. I'm glad. The, I'm glad. Um, Angela's line, it's not my fault. I was exposed to Harry Potter. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. From uh, from Murder. Uh, it's what season yep. three, season four? Oh no, it's later than that. Season five, season six. I'm just gonna keep. I don't remember numbers. I don't remember. Sadly, Jimmy, you've seen, you've watched The Office. Parts of it, not the whole thing. What? You should watch this episode. Yeah. Well, wanna, let's get through Yu Gi Oh or not. Let's and do that. We'll pitch this episode to you later because you'll enjoy it. Uh, so. Yu-Gi-Oh card or thing from Bionicle. Jimmy, I'm going to need you to read these cards because I don't think I can pronounce half of these. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, some of them I don't know how to pronounce, and I'm just going to have to guess, too. Okay. But these could be anything from Bionicle, from creatures to, like, places. Uh, mm. So mm-hmm. I just... All the famous Bionicles. I pulled a little... Yeah. <laughs> All the nouns. People, places, and things. So, number one. Yu-Gi-Oh card or thing from Bionicle. Number one, Lekunga. Lekunga. Number two, Kozaki. Number three, Karata. Number four, Muka Muka. <laughs> number five, Manas. And number six, Gucko Force. <laughs> now tell me, Lauren, Gucko which Force, is... My... <laughs> My favorite Sega Genesis game. <laughs> now you have to tell me which is the Yu-Gi-Oh card and which is the thing from Bionicle. Oh, God. This is just, this is honestly going to be straight up guessing because, well, it, it's all, it all is. Yu-Gi-Oh not is always straight up guessing for me. But um, because they're all nonsense. Like I talk too much about my theory and you have, or my, yeah, my theory behind making choices and you've subverted this by making them all nonsense words the, the unified you. yugi or not theory <laughs> <laughs> oh boy um 
I like I sort of want to ask for a little bit of information about Bionicle because I literally like I think they're robots. I don't know. Jimmy, can you read the opening paragraph from just Bionicle lore? Or just like give me a like what even are they? Give me a summary. Let's see I if don't I know can how find that will help. Summary. But it makes me feel like they'll help. I don't honestly know if they're robots necessarily. I feel like I remember reading once that they were robots given sentience and it was like some sort of a post-apocalyptic storyline. I'll read the sentence from the Bionicle Wikipedia page. Okay. It depicts the exploits of the Toa, heroic biomechanical beings with innate elemental abilities whose duty is to maintain peace throughout their universe. What's the name of the island they live on? Matanui. So it's so it's kind of like Transformers. Yeah. A little bit. Tran- sure. Transformers meets Captain Planet. Yeah, all right. Um Okay, I'm just going to go down the list and just make a guess. Uh Lacunga, I'm going to say is Bionicle thing. Okay. Kazaki. Um, Kazaki. K- Kazaki. Kazaki. Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm going to say Krata is also a Bionicle thing. I'm going to say Gucko Force is Yu-Gi-Oh. Gucko Force. Gucko Force. It's a G-U-K-K-O, by the way. Gucko. Um, it makes me think of like a lizard, like a gecko or something. Oh, I just think of like phlegm. It's like Ugh. a word. It's like it's a, a word, word that, yeah. per- that <laughs> just, it really just makes you mucusy. <laughs> Gucko Force is even worse. <laughs> Gucko Force. Mukamuka, um, I'm going to say, is a bionicle thing. So that makes Kazaki and Manas Yu-Gi-Oh. I honestly, I don't know on this one. Yeah, I don't have any idea either. <laughs> no idea. All right. Well, let's find out. Lakunga, you said it was from Bionicle. Nope, that's a Yu-Gi-Oh card. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Kozaki, you said, was Yu-Gi-Oh. And you're right. It is from Yu-Gi-Oh. Ah, go ah. on. Krata, you said, was from Bionicle. And you are correct. Hey. What Krata, is a Krata? Krata are the slugs produced by Makuta that pilot the um, the Rakshi. And left to the, they're little grubs that crawl around. And left to their own devices, they will uh, go out into the world and corrupt the Kanohi masks. And so if someone puts on that mask, they will become, they will fall under the influence of Makuta. They're, they're venom. Yeah. There's so much lore. Yeah. It went on <laughs> for like six years. Yeah. I'm impressed. Muka Muka, you said just from Bionicle. That's a Yu-Gi-Oh card. I don't know what that is. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I think I actually know what Muka Muka is now to think about it. We'll, we'll look it up in a minute. Uh, Manas, you said was Yu-Gi-Oh. And I'm sorry, that's from Bionicle. Manas were the giant crabs that uh, lived outside uh, Makuta's lair and were his, like, final guardians. That the Toa, that the Toa famously had to form Toa Kaita in order to defeat. They Voltroned. Yeah. They Voltroned together to fight these crabs. Yeah. And they went giant to- enemy crabs. Attack weak points for massive damage. <laughs> they are giant enemy crabs, and I had them as a kid, and I was very excited because they were the only Bionicle set that was remote controlled. Ooh. Whoa. They were like crab tanks. 
And so you could drive them around and um, press a button and they would like, the claws would come out and you would try and knock the masks off the opponent's crab. It was kind of fun. Sounds awesome. Oh, I remember seeing ads for that. Yeah. I never got to use them like that though because I was an only child and I had no one to fight Manus with. (laughs) Well, you know what, Jimmy? You still don't have anyone to fight Manus with. <laughs> I still don't have anyone to fight Manus with. <laughs> I'm wow. sorry. I'm sorry. There's one there's one card left. One card yet left. Gucko Force, you said was a Yu-Gi-Oh card. And I'm sorry. That's also from Bionicle. Yeah. Gucko birds well, I got two. are creatures known as Rahi. Uh they're giant birds that the Matoran used to fly around uh in the air above uh Lekoro. The, the village of air and fight giant Nui Jaga and Nui Rama wasps with. Huh. Okay. <laughs> so now we know what the Gucko Force cool. is. Uh, Gucko I want to look up Muka, Muka Muka real quick because I think I know what it is now. Uh, Muka Muka. Oh, nope. Not what I thought it was. Never mind. Muka Muka is a big old smoke insect. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yep. This card gains uh three hundred attack and defense for each card in your hand. Uh, and it looks like kind of shaped like a mite. Yeah, but it has like smokestacks. Let me see if I can copy the image oh, for man. you, Jimmy. We get uh these predatory mites in the pest traps at work sometimes. Whoa. They're like translucent and red, and they've got like weird little spikes on them. They're crazy. Mooka, mooka. Kinda look, they kind of look like this, but they're red. I don't like it. I don't like it. There's also something called Mooka Mooka Paradise, which appears to be Bubble Bobble plus a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Mooka Mooka Paradise. <laughs> that just sounds, it sounds like a spinoff of Gullah Gullah Island. <laughs> oh, I miss Gullah Gullah Island, man. Here's some manas uh, for you. No, oh, that's cool. This is neat. Okay, yeah. No, okay, these look like Erector sets. Yeah. Yes. Bionicle was a spin-off of the Technic line, which is yeah. the more um more advanced sets and the people used them to make like trucks and stuff. And these had like actual did it, and it came with like controls, right? Yeah. Like like uh it came like with, a controller. Yeah, they're little remote control guys. That's cool. That's fun. So you had to build it? And then yeah, and then you can remote control it. That's cool. Knock the pieces off. Oh, I see. So there's the two little like masks. Yeah, see the masks on the front. The... Yeah, and so fun. you would try and get your crab in to like knock the masks off the other. Nice, kind of like rock'em sock'em robots. A little bit, yeah. No, wait, here's some crata. Fun. I remember these. I remember when this came out. Yeah. Oh. Weird. Oh, these these were so interesting because they're they're tiny little slug shaped things. Like mm-hmm. that's the picture that we're looking at is bigger than life size, tiny little things. But they had like a gummy texture to them. Yeah, Do you eat them? No, no, no. no. They're, they're, they're rubber. They're, Do not eat the they, crata. Yeah, no, they're they're rubber, <laughs> but they're not hard plastic like most Legos. And you like slot them into places on the Bionicle. Oh, freaky! Yeah, yeah. Little parasites. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It was very, like, Secret Invasion style Plug story and play parasite. Yeah. yeah. So that's one of the Rakshi, and you can see on the back there's that, like, curved area. That part opened up, and you could put the Krata in there so it could, like, drive it around. Yeah. Oh, weird. 
very uh <laughs> oh man That's i'm strange i'm having a flashback to playing with these things hmm. anyway the gucko force was from the online game which i remember from elementary school desperately trying to load on the computer lab at school uh <laughs> but it was like super ridiculously slow and so every page would take like a full minute to load Wow. Yeah, the online game was a it was a point and click adventure game. Yeah, it was like oh, Mist, but, but in, in the in the style of online games at that time, they only released parts of the world at a time. Mm-hmm. So you could go and play everything there was to play, but then you'd have to wait like a week for them to reveal oh, wow. a new part of the island. The new update as the story progressed. Ah, uh, online games in the nineties. It was actually really. I cool. remember, I remember playing through the like water part of the game. You know where you go underwater uh-huh. and you have to like find the bubbles at the right time or whatever it was. So you, you had to drown. find the the pieces so you could like put the pump back together and I, uh, pump the because one of the like little floating islands had sank and you had to like pump mm-hmm. it back up to the surface and rescue everyone inside. I played that section like once a day for three weeks. Oh, me too. Over and over again. Not because, not because like I hadn't beaten it yet, but just because there wasn't anything else in the game to play. <laughs> uh, there's also like a soccer equivalent in that game that was very interesting. Uh, cool. Or, or is it? It's more like lacrosse, I guess, because there's yeah. a there's a hook. Anyway, this isn't the Bionicle show. This is the Yu-Gi-Oh show that we do, Jimmy. Oh, yeah. So, well, we're done. Pivot, yeah. Pivot back here. Uh, mm-hmm. That was Yu-Gi-Oh or not. Lauren, you did two out of six. Eh, not, ba- not bad. Not bad. A third. Yeah, could have been worse. 30%. Woo! <laughs> I successfully tricked you. <laughs> With I've your been, nonsense gibberish. I've been Bionica boozled. Hey. Uh, <laughs> Tyler did not like that. Um, all right, so here is how the next part of the show is going to go down. It's time for the monster bracket. Every week on the show, we have brought together two monsters that appear in season two and have them fight to the death. Whoa. Yes, these oh. monsters have actually died. I don't think I told you that previously. R.I.P. Um, in the shadow until, realm. Until we have one remaining ultimate champion. Now, how we're going to do this is we are now at round one of the semifinals. This determines who goes on into the final round where we will discuss the ultimate champion. I'm just double checking to make sure I'm right on that. I am. Uh, how we're going to do this is we have uh, the semifinals this week, mm-hmm. round one. Round two will be next week. We have a a two-parter is the next episode. So we are going to do one week without a monster bracket. And then we are going to come back and do one episode dedicated to the finals. Season finale. Season finale. And the reason that I want to do that is I want to give our listeners time to contact us. You can email us. You activate my podcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at yampod, Y-A-M-P-O-D. I want to hear who people want to win the ultimate championship out of the two that we pick here in the semifinals. The ultimate showdown of ultimate destiny. (laughs) 
which has been referenced twice in this episode. So, allow me to introduce the two combatants for round one of the semifinals. Oh, man. This week, we are discussing Zira the Mant versus Blue Eyes White Dragon. (laughs) Lauren, you have shown your hand, so to speak. Already As a reminder, You knew it was coming. I knew, I knew. As a reminder, Zero the Man is a level 8 fiend, ritual monster, 2800 attack, 2300 defense. Blue Eyes White Dragon is a light dragon mo- normal monster, I believe level 7 if I'm not mistaken. Uh, 3000 attack, 2500 defense. Let's talk, before we get into the cards themselves, a little briefly, a little briefly? A brief little about how the cards got to where they are today. Starting with Zira the Mant. Zira the Mant was arguably the underdog of this bracket. Zira the Mant started off against Cyber Raider, which I thought was a very similar card, but I was proven wrong. Then went up against Dark Magician Girl, one of the more iconic cards in the series, and won. Then went up against one of Lauren's favorites, Rogue Doll, mm, which I thought, no, uh, that's that's Doll of Demise. Isn't it? Oh. Rogue Doll is the one with the weird face on its not face. Let me pull up a picture mm. of Rogue Doll for you. You're going to be like, ooh, I like that. That was the one with the staff, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of the no face doll, sort of. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I thought if any card was going to knock Zero the Man out of the bracket, it would have been Rogue Doll. Then it went up against Celtic Guardian, yet another very iconic card, and is now up against one of the most iconic cards, Blue-Eyes White Dragon. Uh, Blue-Eyes White Dragon kind of got the luck of the draw here, if we're being honest. It went up against some of the lower seed monsters, uh, starting off against Amphibian Beast, which is just like a nothing card. Then up against Curse of Dragon, which is a dragon skeleton. Then it went up against Doll of Demise, which is Chucky. So I was hoping, again, Lauren's vote might have might have held sway there, but it persisted. Uh, I'm only the swing vote, let's be honest. <laughs> uh, and then Blue Eyes White Dragon went up against Cyberjar, who was uh, one of our weird favorites up until the quarterfinals, uh, but it prevailed against Cyberjar. So now our two heroes are locked in combat against each other. The iconic card and the uh, underdog favorite. And the way cooler card. <laughs> Our good, good uh, piece boy. I, I know that we're going to get Lauren to talk about Zero the Mant, obviously. Let's start with Blue Eyes White Dragon. Can someone describe Blue Eyes White Dragon for me? It looks like it's in pain from the card art. It kind of does, yes. <laughs> or it's scared. It's not good art. It's such I a weirdly why... shaped dragon. Like, it doesn't, it's not a traditional dragon by any sense. Can we just say it? Its head looks like a penis. Yeah. I don't know what your penis looks like, but mine does not look like <laughs> the Blue Eyes White Dragon. <laughs> Yours doesn't have uh, teeth in the, the no, little horn. That, that's the not normal. <laughs> oh, boy. 
It doesn't shoot energy blasts? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> uh, no, you know what its head looks like? What's its head look like? Like alien's head. Yeah. yeah like, it looks the like a xenomorph. xenomorph. Yeah. yeah. yeah it, it is vaguely xenomorph looking. If xenomorph was like shiny. Right. Like I mean, obviously... And this is, again, like, okay, we're running the risk of, like, somebody listening to this podcast and not knowing what Blue Eyes White Dragon is. If you are that person, hello, I'm sorry, why are you here? Um, <laughs> Blue Eyes White Dragon is a whitish, I'm going to say silver. That's the problem. That's the problem. It's not actually white. It's, it's blue. Yeah, it's, it's, it's arguably chrome. Yeah. There we go. It's a chrome dragon. Yeah. It's very badly airbrushed. With it looks like a seventh grader got a hand on an airbrush. It does look like it it's been like... airbrushed on the side of a van. Exactly, exactly. And it does have blue eyes. So I'll yeah. give it that. Yeah. Uh, blue Eyes White Dragon is Barely. the uh, iconic card of Seto Kaiba. It's what starts the show is episode one. Kaiba is looking for the last blue eyes white dragon card that he has not yet gotten his hands on uh it belongs to yugi's grandfather they duel for it and seto kaiba wins and promptly tears it in half uh so that there can be only three blue eyes white dragon cards in existence and he owns all of them opulence <laughs> you on and here we are it's just overhyped like it's not that cool it's a it's you a could f- do anything obviously the cards an, have proven yeah for being such an iconic card it doesn't it's not the coolest looking dragon i've ever seen it's boring like it's not even yeah. a, an original dragon it's not it's something you know we've all seen it before it's just a badly drawn dragon Yu-Gi-Oh has proven that it can do anything with cards that it wants like they'll just throw shit on the page they don't care they'll do anything why is this the most famous card is it because it's the the prototype is it because it's the Ur dragon this was this was how Yu-Gi-Oh you saying started. it's a first draft that's not a ranking endorsement Ooh, I did not it sounded better in my head but I do see where you're coming from there I I, I'm not the biggest fan, but I have to like pull up to the plate for Blue Eyes White Dragon here. It looks different in the anime, and arguably it, it looks a lot better in the anime. Way better than its gonna, card art. It has alternate card art as well. And if, yeah. if you're going to uh, if you're on Yu-Gi-Oh.com, like we are looking at this, there's a little like show card thing that takes you to db.yugioh-card.com, uh, which is the Yu-Gi-Oh trading card game card database. Uh, it has a lot of alternate art, including, okay, so Jimmy, you just texted us what it looks like in uh, oh, that, the show. That looks more like a penis head. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Sorry. Sadly does. Uh, it can look cool. The problem that I think we're expressing is that by default, it does not. No, the generic card art for Blue Eyes, the like standard art for Blue Eyes, it it's not it doesn't look cool no is it cool in the show like when you guys watch it are you like oh blue eyes is here cool a little bit just because i know (laughs) like just because kaiba thinks it's cool 
and it's like he's going to was, do some crazy shit with it. There was that one episode where they first face off against Loomis and Umbra, and Kaiba pulls some bullshit to summon three blue eyes white dragons in the first turn, and then uh, uh, polymerizes them into blue eyes ultimate dragon, which is just a three headed. It's a chrome King yeah. Ghidorah. Um, I love that they use the term polymerization. Yeah. Not correctly and in no. any sense. Uh, no. no. But uh, uh, that part was pretty cool. But like you said, Jimmy, it's just because of how hyped Seto Kaiba is getting. And we're like, okay, now some cool shit is going to happen. But it doesn't do cool shit when it shows up. Like, it it does not bring the cool. It. It. No. It doesn't. I was about to. I was about to. <laughs> I was about to play devil's advocate there for a second and be like, oh, yeah, is this cool? And then I was going to try and do an impression of it, but then I realized the impression of it is this. <laughs> that's it. That's that, that's cool. a noise it's making. Wow, I've changed my whole stance. <laughs> on blue eyes. <laughs> Just based on that noise. It goes screonk. Yeah, it does go screonk. And then fires a white lightning blast. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's okay. It's a, it's an interesting attack. Uh, he charges up his lasers. Yeah, he fires his lasers. Uh, I looked up. Uh, I was just scrolling through all the images of Blue Eyes White Dragon on Google, and the concept artist who was hired to work on the Pokemon and Detective Pikachu also did some fan art of Blue Eyes White Dragon, and it looks oh, a lot okay. more uh, alien. There's a Funko Pop of Blue Eyes White Dragon <laughs> that looks horrible. It, well, all Funko Ooh. Pops just look kind of lifeless. No Ooh, offense. it looks to... slimy. Yeah, he, this this blue eyes looks alien and spooky. I love. Sorry, we have to read the text here. So this is this is from R.J. Palmer, is the artist uh, at Arvalis Arvalis uh, on Twitter. RJ says, last year I was contacted to work on a Yu-Gi-Oh movie. Unfortunately, it fell through because Frankie Muniz refused to play Yu-Gi-Moto. <laughs> and then they say, that's not true, but check out this Blue-Eyes White Dragon I painted. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a very alien Blue-Eyes White Dragon. I Ew, think that's... It's, I don't like it. I think that's maybe my favorite rendition of Blue-Eyes White Dragon so far. Well, it, yeah, okay, it I like it. It leans a lot it... more into the like alien aesthetic. Yeah, we it looks like about. one of those blind fish that live in a cave. Yeah, it is like an axolotl type, thing. and that yeah. fits in. That fits in, I think, with some of the the. Uh... It does have a dickhead though? <laughs> it totally has a dickhead. Though. I can't unsee it now that you said that. There's, I didn't think that initially, but there's a whole there's a whole uh, uh, trend. There's a whole family, I guess, of X I Y dragons. What? Uh, like red eyes, red eyes, black dragon, uh, gold eyed millennium dragon. I don't know. Uh, odd eye pendulum dragon. Oh God. Um, now that sounds like a euphemism. <laughs> uh, and they, they get, uh, especially when we get into like, uh, the cards that were coming out around the time of like Yu-Gi-Oh GX, like in that series, they, they do get very alien looking. Mm-hmm. What significance is the eye color? Does it like grant them powers or is it just a weird Yu-Gi-Oh quirk that they're fixated on? Um, I, I don't think it has any like story element to it. 
there's a it's a trope in anime that like when you have power your eyes change and vice versa like naruto is obsessed with eyes and you have like different symbols that appear in your eyes and that means mm. that you have different powers um but it, mechanically speaking here it doesn't do anything because that just seems kind of like lazy writing again to just describe it physically and not even try to come up with anything more interesting about it. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's like you're trying to uh, just describe something in as few words as possible, but it's still like calling me brown eyes shit person. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay, fine. Brown eyes, white guy. (laughs) Yeah, I think, I think it's called, just called Blue Eyes because it's just named like every other Yu-Gi-Oh card and they just pick whatever random things off the wall to describe some of these things. Yeah. And in this case, it's yeah. Blue Eyes. It's a very like usual suspect sort of way of just like looking around the room and picking the thing that you see. Yeah, I know, but Yu-Gi-Oh also makes up like bullshit nonsense words like what was that harmony golden egg sunrise or whatever oh yeah new, new uh, egg of harmony w- life winged, egg, so, winged w- egg of life yeah, yeah winged yeah. egg of new yeah. life it was so good like i i just i just feel like why is this card of all cards given the fame and the notoriety like they could have done so much better and have done and everybody just comes back to blue eyes white dragon what's well, the card that the rival plays to look cool and edgy you know he's yeah, the he's the cool card? he's the cool card player as opposed to yuki who has karibo which is like the cute mascot <laughs> right but why blue eyes i don't know hmm. yeah well speaking of cards with made-up names <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to talk about Zira the Mant. Yeah, see, now this is what I'm talking about. A fucking radioactive skeleton with a skull cod piece and a, and a pop, cool... pop collar on his yeah, purple cape. A cool pimp cape. Like, come on. And his name is Zira the Mant and none of that means anything. And it's like, yeah, all right. Here we go. You know what? Both of these cards have kind of the same color scheme. They kind of do. It's just because... Like a lightish blue. Yeah. It's like white, but it has that like blue tint to it. Mm-hmm. Like he's walking through it, an aquarium. It looks a lot like you're viewing bone under a UV light. Well, you would know. Uh, yes. <laughs> and this guy is very definitely... I do that a lot. A skeleton, but it's, it's like exoskeleton. I think he's still alive under there. It's mm, not like... I was hoping it was corpse. like necromancy or something. Let me look up. Okay, sorry. We we've talked around this uh, a little bit. I'm gonna look up the Mant mythology here. Um, Zero. You the said Mant. it's a title, like moth. Yeah. So it's not a species. N- well, it is and it isn't. Um, let me see here finding because zira is the series of cards that it comes from zira is a small series that tells the saga of the warrior of zira who has three different destinies that's not how destiny works <laughs> apparently in Yu-Gi-Oh it is 
so the first destiny is finding the sanctuary in the sky, uh, becoming a herald, uh, Zeradius, herald of heaven, an angel, angel of Zira, and eventually an archlord, Archlord Zerado. So that's the progression that the warrior of Zira is making as he reaches the sanctuary in the sky. Okay. However, he turns against the sanctuary as a dark lord called Dark Lord Zerado. The second path is him discovering Pandemonium. Oh, that was just the first path. That was just, oh. this is like um this is like Rashomon. Yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh is like Rashomon. <laughs> Welcome to my TED Talk. <laughs> Uh, the second path is Yugi discovering pandemonium. Not Yugi. Zira, the the warrior of Zira. Pardon me, not Zira. The warrior princess. The warrior discovering pandemonium and being tempted by the arch fiends, which is a separate series of cards, to become a powerful evil monster named Mazera Deville. Oh yeah. <laughs> if he doesn't scare you, no evil thing will. <laughs> I'm gonna look up Mazira Deville real quick. He's like a spider this waiting is... for the th- kill. Oh, I hope this is good. That's eh, fine. Eh, it's it's okay. like Green Goblin with genie pants. Uh, well, he's kind of got genie pants there what? too. Actually. Show me this guy. Yeah. Uh, okay, <laughs> let me send you the, the link here. I'm, I'm just looking at Yu-Gi-Oh.fandom.com/slash/zira basically uh, slash wiki slash zira. Pardon me. Wow. Um, Reading websites. You, well, you know. Uh, the final <laughs> destiny oh, this is of silly. the warrior of Zira, Zira, uh, is that he worshipped the god of this land, Zira the Mant. Wait, so he's the god, or he's the Zira? Warrior is worship. Warrior of Zira mm-hmm. worships yeah. the god of this land, Zira the Mant. So okay. I think Zira. Is the name of the card? He is. He is a warrior of Zira. He's a follower yeah. of Zira. Uh, so Zira the Mant, the card is this god. Yes, and then the Wikipedia article says its role is a mystery. Uh, oh no, pardon me. No, that's talking uh, about a related. It says, it says there is a related card to Zira the Mant called Ryukushin powered, uh, which is uh, like a dragony thing. So like a robot dragon. Uh, its role is a mystery, though it looks somewhat similar to Zero the Man and is a fiend. Although in some video games, it's required as a tribute for a Zero ritual. So, okay, wait, wait a fucking second, wiki article. You said that there are three different destinies, and the final destiny is just the what he worships the god of this <laughs> land? All right. It's your destiny. Ooh. Great. Cool. Well, that was a waste of time. So Zira the Mant is the god of Of this like little story. Yeah. And it's it's unclear whether he is benevolent or maleficent or uh Aurora or Prince Charming. <laughs> I I think from his appearance he's probably a bad guy. I mean mm. look at him. That's racist. <laughs> I'm racist against skeleton people. <laughs> <laughs> Who have skull cod pieces? You know, you know what? Honestly, I think the skull cod piece is a baller move. It, yeah, that that is a, like an extremely like baller move. This be 
imagine like going up against this guy and he was like, hey, you know what happened to the last guy who came up against me? Right here, buddy. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's his skull. <laughs> Sometimes I pee through it. <laughs> Here's my pants now. Oh, he, that that is he, that's your fairway. That is your eternal fate. Should you decide to fight me, to hold my dick for me, <laughs> <laughs> your skull will be my dick holster. <laughs> your skull is going to keep me safe when I play softball with the guys <laughs> every Saturday at two p.m. <laughs> Protect my dick. <laughs> With your face. With <laughs> your face. <sighs> also, there's definitely musculature, right? Yeah. Like, he has muscles. He's a skeleton, but he's swollen. He has, like, almost like a black bodysuit underneath the skeleton. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's like he's wearing that spooky, scary skeleton costume, <laughs> uh, but, like, it got inflated. <laughs> Like the um, what was that SNL? David S. Pumpkins. <laughs> David S. Pumpkins. <laughs> Ready or not, here we dance. <laughs> oh, if you haven't, if anyone listening to this has not seen David S. Pumpkins, do yourself a favor. Zero the- Stop listening to this and go watch that. Zero- any questions? Any questions? Zero the Mantis is here to dance for David S. Pumpkins. Oh, I'm so here for that. Part of it. I'm in. <laughs> He looks the part, too. I mean, come on. He's fabulous. He is definitely, like, an evil, like, god demon thing. Yeah. And he looks the part. And you want a shittily drawn chrome dragon to win instead. Cards on the table. Is this your god? Cards cards on the table here in in attack position. (laughs) <laughs> I want Zero to the Mint to win because I like him. That's like yes. the end of the yeah. story there. Yeah. Yes. I, I'm in the same boat, Jimmy. Like, I know it's a ritual monster. I know technically it has lower attack and defense, but like, just but looking at so these two cards. But it's so much cooler. Looking at these two cards <laughs> together, you're like, yeah, I'm gonna play Zero the Mint every time. Yeah. yeah. He's Zero the Mint. Awesome. All right, I I'm gonna call it there. Yes, Woo, like, my you, work here is done. Despite all the disrespect for Blue Eyes, no disrespect to Blue Eyes. I no, I no, know no. what Blue, Blue Eyes, Eyes does, still, yeah. and he's cool, and he's like like Kaiba's actual real life friend, calling to him from like mm. the shadow realm or whatever, the beyond, the beyond. Um, but I just don't find Blue Eyes all that. Uh, interesting. Compared to Zero the Mant, where he's has he's got all this stuff going on that you have to like dig into the lore to find out about. He's got a backstory. He's got a backstory. He's got, he's got a sweet cape. Un- he's got at least one worshiper. He's got at least one worshiper. <laughs> uh, yeah. Unfortunately, we only get to see him in that one episode with Bandit Keith. But I I yeah, like Zero the huh. I'm just trying to see if I can find any other information about this fucking... What, what is he? He's a mant. He's a god. <laughs> Two great tastes that go respect. great together. If somebody <laughs> asks you if you're a god, Ray, you say yes. Uh, okay. All right. So you're the mant. You're moving on to the finals. 
The big time. Yes. The big show. Sorry, I just Thank you scrolled both. down on the page for Zero the Mant, and I found a card called Rest Chef the Dark Being. This guy looks red as hell. Sorry to All right. distract you here, but... Uh, that was it for Yugi or not. Let's talk about this, or for... Uh, wow, we finished that wow, a while we, ago. That was a bit ago. That was it for the monster bracket. There it is. Look at this cool guy. This guy's like... We get two hours into the show and I just lose all track of like, reality. This guy is like part temple, part robot. Reshef, the dark being. That's cool. That's a cool looking this car. This is... I do I, I do also want to say, Tyler, that one of my friends today said it was um, March 64th and I thought that was really funny. I... Yep. <laughs> I, <laughs> at my job... Uh, definitely said that April was two months ago. Eh. Which kind of feels like. Might as well be. But it's, it's not accurate. It's technically almost June, which is weird to me. Fuck. Uh, yeah, Jimmy, Red Chef is awesome. Who's the guy from Avengers Endgame? Thanos? Thanos. This uh, is Thanos' yeah. final form. Yeah, this guy looks like uh, if Thanos merged with, uh, what's that, uh, like a giant god creature in Transformers? Unicron? Uh, Unicron, Cybertron. That's a planet. And a Transformer. Oh. Of course it is. Yeah, of course it is. Uh, but Uni- Unicron, I think, is what you're thinking of, yeah. Yeah, this guy looks I like... Remember, I remember that, but not Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> this This guy looks like if... Thanos merged with Unicron to fight uh, Galactus. Yeah. Ooh, I'd read that comic. Anyway, he looks Jimmy, cool. Jimmy, bef- before you sent us the link to it, um, I, and you said it out loud, I am really disappointed that it's not like a magical chef. <laughs> Fresh chef, the dark being. He uses <laughs> hell energies to, to, to cook his uh, donkey sauce. <laughs> Ooh, I cast, cast capsaicin. <laughs> All right, I think that is going to bring us to the end of this episode. Next week, we are going to be talking about episode forty-seven, whose name I have already banished from my mind. I had the wiki up to the shadow realm. We had it in front of us. We had a whole conversation. The next episode, Jimmy is Season 2, Episode 47, Showdown in the Shadows, Part 1. The translated title is Darkness versus Darkness. When darkness fights darkness, who will win? More darkness. Not us. <laughs> Not us, apparently. <laughs> if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at youactivatedmypodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at yampod. Follow us on Instagram at the same uh, our website is heartofthe.cards. Yes, that is a real website that I paid actual American dollars for. Uh, and he doesn't even earn those anymore, folks. Nope. Nope. I make an entirely different kind of fake money. <laughs> um, <Rupees>. and, <laughs> right. You go out to your lawn and, and cut it and you find some, some gems. <laughs> that's, that's how it I works wish. these days. And uh, God, there was something else I was going to say in there. You know, at the end of every show, we talk about uh, uh, how we make the show for free and you should give money to charity. That's still true. That's more true now than ever, honestly. Uh, But this week, I'm going to especially say, you know, if you're lucky enough to have a grandma or a grandma-adjacent character in your life, text them. 
give them a call. Just say hi. See how they're doing. Grandmas, grandmas are are pretty cool, and uh, they like it when you reach out. So go do that instead of spending money on this dumbass podcast Aww. that I fuck up every five minutes. <laughs> um, yeah. Now we have reached the end of the episode. We will talk to you next week, and until next time. Hey, this isn't like my scriptures at all. This is fun.